Welcome to the Writing with Coach McCoach podcast. A podcast for busy writers who want to cut through the fluff with exact strategies for launching their author career. I'm Katie McCoach, your book coach, guide, unqualified therapist, and cheerleader. Since 2012, I've helped hundreds of writers become authors, gain confidence, and grow their best stories yet. Let's do the same for you. This is the Writing with Coach McCoach podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Writing with Coach McCoach podcast. Today's episode is part of our Navigating Feedback series, and this episode, we're going to talk about what the hell the difference is between a book coach, developmental editor, copy editor, proofreaders, and all the in-betweens. So really, we're focused on the professional editors before you pitch your book or publish your book. Who do you work with at that stage and the sort of feedback that you'll get from them? I hope you've been enjoying this series so far. We've talked about what the heck is feedback in the first place? How do you navigate constructive criticism? How do you apply it? What are some ways to deal with it? And who are some of the people you'll get it from? Our last episode, we talked about beta readers, critique partners, and sensitivity readers. So today we're talking about the people you will hire on the professional end of it and what that looks like. If you've ever been told, get an editor, and then you go and search and you're just like, but what type of editor do I get? There are so many different kinds. Then this episode is going to help you out. I'm going to break down everything that I can think of to make sure you are set up for success, writer. Before we get started, of course, as always, I just want to remind you that if you enjoy this podcast, please do subscribe and post a rating or review with a podcast. It means a lot to me. And it helps other writers find this podcast so that they can learn something new too and learn something for free, right? We're all about what can we gain, what knowledge is out there, and how can we apply it to our own life? So that is why I'm here. I'm here to help you. I'm here to share my knowledge with you and give you something that you hopefully can take action on right away. All right. Let me give you a quick breakdown on a few things I want you to know before we dive into this podcast episode. First of all, when I'm talking about editors in this episode, I am talking about the editors that you hire. Those are developmental editors, book coaches, copy editors, uh, proofreaders, line editors. Those are the people that you're going to hire, some of them on your own. If you self-publish, you're going to hire all of these people. If you pitch your book to an agent and you get signed by an agent, what happens next is the agent is actually pitching your book to acquisition editors. And those are the editors at the publishing house. The person who says, I'm buying this book, we're taking it, the publishing house is going to publish it. That is the acquisitions editor. This editor is sometimes also the person who is going to provide you with developmental type feedback. So you could pitch your book, get it to an agent, an agent sells it to an editor. So that's when it's on submission, it's on sub, quotation marks. And that's when you they sell it to a publishing house acquisitions editor. And if you get to that stage and you get to that point, the awesome thing is that the publishing house then is hiring all the other layers of editing. So your acquisitions editor may provide developmental guidance, story feedback. I'll dive into what that looks like. They might provide line edits and maybe some copy edits. But then what usually happens is after it goes through a few passes back and forth between you and the editor, then it goes to the copy editor. Once the editor, the acquisitions editor signs off, they're, just think of it, they're also like your project editor. They're hand, handling everything. So once they sign off and they say, okay, it's going into copy editing. That nice thing is the publishing house is paying for the copy editing, they're paying for the proofreading. So that is a pro of go in the traditional, that's called the traditional publishing path. And then if you self-publish, you are going to have to hire those stages out. 
Basically, the reasoning is because you want your book to be as professional as if it were traditionally published. So if you're going to self-publish, awesome. I freaking love self-publishing. I think it's so great. Everything is on you, right? Like every decision is yours in the end. You are the ultimate project editor. But of course, the con is that everything, all the costs are on you up front. Now, you also are the one who gets the royalties and no one else is making money off the book except, you know, the distributors, Amazon. Instead of in traditional publishing, publisher gets paid first and you get a portion of that. So pros and cons to both. That is the topic for another episode. But I wanted you to be clear that when I'm talking about editors and the types of feedback, although there's overlap with acquisitions editors, I wanted you to understand these are kind of two different things, but the type of feedback you get from these named editors, developmental copy proof is still similar. Um, so that's what we're really talking about today is what is the type of feedback that you'll get from them and uh, where do you go from there, right? Okay. So I'm going to start in order from who you would work with first to who you work with last in the editorial professional landscape. Who are you going to hire first? So say, let's just say for sake of this episode, you are hiring every layer of editing and you're about to get feedback from every type of editor at some stage in the process. So how would this look? What is the order? What do you get? Pros and cons of each. All right, let's do this. The very first professional level feedback you would get in the process is if you hired a book coach. The book coach has a potential to be part of any and all processes of your book. But I would say that if you typically, let's say you just hire them in the very beginning. Now, this could be that they're literally with you from plotting the book. This is something I do with clients where I'm literally... Uh, we'll spend a whole day and we'll plot a book together um, through VIP day, or we'll have consultation calls and we'll go through the outline together and we'll work, we'll work through what the book will be about. So I'm there from the start, the very beginning, when the idea is formed. And not all book coaches offer that, but that is something that you might find if you're like, I need someone to help me stay on track. I offer a service where I just keep people accountable. I say, okay, you got to send me this many pages this time a week. And if you don't send them to me, I'm going to come at you and like you're paying for it, get it done, you know, so it helps them get their work done. It helps them know someone's reading it. So they have to do it. I personally love accountability like that because I work better when I know someone else is expecting something. So that's a service I provide where I show up as Hey, I'm expecting you to send me this thing. Where is it? Um, some book coaches are only there at the end. So it really depends on what you're in need of. But let's say you decided to hire a book coach from the start. They can help you with anything from coming up with the idea to keeping you on track with writing to giving you feedback as you write and giving you feedback on the whole book after you've written it. I also will help beyond that stage. So I'll provide service where I read the whole book, the first draft, give feedback, and we work through visions together, or the author goes and does them and comes back to me. I'll work with them on sorting through their feedback. They've gotten feedback from beta readers and critique partners, and I help them with that. I help them with responses they receive from agents. Okay, I got this message from an agent. What do I do now? I help them with, are they going to self-publish? Are they going to pitch? What do they need to do to get in that stage? So a book coach can be there for every and all stage. And they could be your guide as you go through all the things and they lead you through what you need to be doing. So a book coach is going to be really tailored to what you're in need of. And I wanted to bring it up because it's it can be a really useful stage. And some book coaches can act as your developmental editor. Some might even provide copy editing services. That might be something that they can do and that, you know, if that's something that works for you, awesome. I act as a, I'm a book coach who started as a developmental editor. So my feedback is I'm able to guide an author through the beginning to end of the process to next books down the lines to all of it, but also provide deep story feedback. So I'm able to provide the developmental level feedback in a coaching format. 
So I'll dive into developmental in a second, but I wanted you to have that idea. So you could have a book coach when you have beta readers and critique partners. And so if you didn't catch that episode, last week's episode is about beta readers, critique partners, sensitivity readers. These are people you would work with before you move into the pitching stage or the copy editing stage, depending on your path. If you want a traditional publish, you'd probably have worked with a developmental editor, book coach, beta readers, critique partners, sensitivity readers. You'd probably work with all of them and then pitch your book. You might pitch and then be like, oops, maybe I should work with some of them. And then you might work with them and then re-pitch and try and pitch again. Or if you are going to self-publish, you work with all those folks before you copy edit. Okay. I hope that gives enough on a book coach. I feel like that it's very broad for a reason. But when you find a book coach, if you're like, I need someone, like, even if you're like, I need this random thing, a book coach is maybe the person who would help you with that. Someone to give you whatever you need to keep you on track. My goal is always, how do I keep you moving forward? How do we make sure you are doing the necessary steps that is best for your story, for your career, for your goals. Let's now get into the nitty gritty edit aspect. Starting with a developmental editor, this is who you hire when you're like, I have done so many self-edits or I've written a few drafts. I've had beta readers look at this, critique partners. I don't know what to do now. Like, I feel like I've taken it really far but I know there's something that's still not there, or I just want someone else to give me some feedback. I want some deep, like you are looking hard at this book and you're digging into it and you're going to give any of the story and even writing technique feedback that will help this be the very best manuscript it could be. That is what a developmental editor will do. So like I said, I started as a developmental editor. I was like, I'm never doing copy. I really hate that stuff. But I really want to help a writer write a really strong story with awesome characters, a strong plot, make sure it hits the market. And also, I want to make sure they understand some of these writing techniques that can make it sing. Let's not only perfect the story, but let's get those words and the, the cadence and the way you're writing to be as strong and well-crafted as possible. It's essentially developmental editing is hands-on guidance. It's almost like taking a writing class. Like if you have a really good developmental editor, it's basically like you have taken five creative writing classes at once. <laughs> and that's how I ended up lead, moving into coaching, which has been natural for, I think, many developmental editors because we begin to see other ways we can communicate the same things without literally being hands-on in the manuscript. But if you hire someone to do a developmental edit, that typically will look like, and I'm going to say typically, but I, what I want you to remember with developmental editing most specifically is that every editor has a different way of doing things. Make sure you get really clear on how they provide their feedback. I've now moved into coaching. My feedback, I don't provide any written feedback. It's actually all dialogue based with some small edits on smaller pieces, like a query letter or a few pages. But most of my feedback is all dialogue based because it is much more of a consultation coaching guidance session versus written reports and feedback. So with that being said, here are some of the things you can expect from a developmental editor. A developmental editor might provide what they'll call an editorial assessment, an editorial review. They might provide a critique report, which is essentially the same thing, or an edit letter. These are all different things that are similar. So typically, this is maybe 5 to 10 to 15 to 20 pages of feedback. So my edit letters or editorial reviews, I called them, were which were basically a critique report, right? It was a written report and they were usually about 10 to 15 pages of everything I found. So now, like I said, I provide that in a dialogue version. It is a lot less overwhelming in my opinion. But before that, it would be basically a letter. Hey, I love what you did here in the story. This is what 
I think you were trying to do. This is why it's maybe not working. And here are some suggestions for how to make it work with your story. So it's very tailored to, hey, I can see your vision. I see what you were trying to do. And here's how we can do it better or make it make sense to the readers more so. So sometimes it would just be about, hey, I can see you're trying to do this, but right now it's not going to reach your reader. Here's suggestions for how to do it. And explaining too why something's not working. It's uh, it's very much like a teaching moment in paper. So these reports usually address things like plot, stakes, characters, arcs, narrative, prose, so many layers of things, you know, your story as a whole, but then looking deeper at it, like some developmental editors will provide chapter by chapter reports or notes on every chapter. So they might, their report might have notes on every single chapter. Some developmental editors will help you with moving pieces around If you write, this is more likely to happen in nonfiction. So if you write a self-help or resource book or something, developmental editing is a lot of times restructural. You know, it'll be called structural editing because they will help move things around. So the narrative, even though it's nonfiction, is a little more seamless. Developmental editors will also sometimes provide comments and in-text edits on your manuscript. Now, this is going to vary editor to editor as well. What I used to do is I would provide the 15-page report plus what I like to call annotations on the manuscript. Essentially, in the manuscript, in a Word doc, I would go through and I would make notes. I would use the Word Track Changes comments feature And it would link to from a sentence or a paragraph or a chapter, and it would link to a little comment blurb, a little box, right? And I would give some notes in there. This allowed me to, maybe in the edit letter, I address something kind of a bigger picture, like, hey, this character's arc really needs some work. And then in the edit itself, in the manuscript itself, I'd make comments like, to get more detailed, this is this line is kind of not working, or this doesn't make sense for this character. This scene could be cut. This literal line could be cut. Maybe you need to add something in here. So it would be somewhat reaction-based notes, but also would be a lot more like, let's look a little closer at the words itself. What's on the page? How can we dig a little deeper? So you'd get the overview report and you would get the annotations or comments in the manuscript. So together, the two would really play well to get you to see everything, right? It would be really big. Now, I'm not going to talk about too much why I don't provide that anymore, but I will say if you're hiring someone, understand that usually this requires two passes, which means two read-throughs from the editor. They'll usually read it um, once. They might make comments as they go. And then they'll do it again and make additional comments or they'll make comments a second time. So typically you might get one to two reads on your book and you get the edit letter and you get the comments. I was averaging around 20 to 30 hours per book when I was providing this work. It was a lot of time spent. So keep that in mind when you're like, ooh, developmental editing is really expensive. It is because it's very time consuming and beyond the time consumption, it's also a very creative role because it's not focused on essentially right or wrong. It's taking the story and really trying to figure out what is best for the story. How do I convey these things, these concepts, so the writer understands? How do I make sure that they see what I see and that I'm showing that I value what they put out there and how they did it, right? So it's also like, it's a lot of mental work, I'm not going to lie. And burnout is something that this, you know, I think developmental editors can lead, they can uh, enter burnout pretty often, because it is really, it's a lot, there's a lot on our brain. And also, you're just, you're thinking about this book for so long, you're so deep in the book, you're essentially with the the writer too. like, you're almost you're the next closest possible person to be in this book. Even a super fan will not be as 
deeply involved in this book as your developmental editor. It's a fabulous, like rewarding thing to be a developmental editor. Obviously, that's why I did it for so long. And I'm still providing that same support and advice, just not in such a, not in the style of literal written notes, right? I like to convey it in a way that we can work through it together. It feels a lot more collaborative. So that is something too. You might find a developmental editor who I'll still, you know, on some, like there's a site called Reedsy, R-E-E-D-S-Y.com. You can find a bunch of people that we're talking about today, book editors of different types, formatters, cover designers. You might be able to find these people in on this marketplace, essentially. It's called Reedsy.com. And they bring a bunch of editors in one place. So if you're struggling to find editors, this is a great option. Of course, they charge a little fee more on you and they, they charge a fee to the freelancer, but it's a great place to see who's pretty well vetted. You can see reviews right away and it might be less involved than you going and Googling these types of editors. But that is also a great option too. That is how many people will find me. They just Google developmental editor once they learn what that is and then they start Googling and they find that. You can always, if you find someone you trust, and we're talking, I'm jumping a little to say like how to find these people. If you find a editor you trust, ask them for other editor recommendations. And then of course, do your own vetting. But that's a great way to too, because most editors know other editors. I have been in a Slack group with a handful of editors for years now. So I know, and I know many others from other organizations and groups and stuff. So you can always ask another editor for recommendations. But let me move back. Okay, so yeah, a developmental editor, you can get critique reports, you can get annotations in manuscript, something that some developmental editors provide, but I'm going to put this under a different type of edit. They will provide line editing. Line editing is this, it's a weird spot because some developmental editors will provide line editing, which is very tailored to writing craft techniques, you know, things when we're talking about show, don't tell and active and passive voice. And they're really going to help you write really strong lines like prose. Some call this line editing as a developmental editor, but there are also copy editors who call some of what they do line editing. And that might be more copy based with a lean into the writing techniques. So this is why I say it's very important that you really get clear from your editor what type of feedback they give. And as we talk about, you know, obviously in this series, we're talking about feedback. What I'll say is the most demanding, overwhelming, intensive feedback you'll get from any editor is going to be from the developmental editor. That is going to be what really makes you stop and think. And maybe you want to go back to the episode where I give you 10 rules for dealing with feedback, because especially if you receive a critique report, a written report, and you get 15 pages of notes on like, hey, maybe do this. Oh, that can be a lot. Uh, it can be a lot for anyone, even the thickest skin of folks. So definitely recognize you're going to get a lot of feedback and it's going to feel overwhelming, but also you hired this person to dig deep and you want them to, right? Like you don't want to walk away and say, okay, they said it was great. I mean, there has been times where I've had a book and I've been like, I don't even know what to say because this is so great. What do I do? But then usually you dig and you're like, okay, there's always some way we can make it stronger. But at some point, we also need to be able to say, hey, once you do this, you're good to go. Like move forward and don't linger, right? So you, that is going to be the heaviest version of feedback. Line editing will be similar. So some folks use the term line editing. Some folks, I used to call it substantive editing, which would be where I would make edits in the text itself, not just comments in the manuscript, but edits in the text itself that would be focused on strengthening the writing, tightening it up, getting rid of words like just and that, and doing things to make the writing as tight and as engaging and as prosaic as possible without being 
to Prozac, depending on the, you know, depending on the genre, you know, YA, you want to be a little more straightforward and literary fiction, a little more Prozac works, more purple prose is fine. So there's balance, of course. So look to see how they define, look to see how your editor defines the type of edits they do. Um, Usually it's on their website or some sort of profile or just ask them, make it very clear. Something else I want to prep you with is the idea that you could request a sample edit. So as you're trying to say, okay, what type of editing do they provide? Let me get clear on expectations. Usually you can request a sample edit. Now, for developmental editing, this is difficult. I will say that there are times where this can be done, but it's also difficult because if I were, for example, giving an editorial assessment, it's not really possible to give a sample edit because I'm not editing the text. I'm reading the book and then providing you written report. And I need to read the whole book in order to give those big story picture feedback notes. If your developmental editor is also going to provide line editing or substantive editing, this could work to have a sample edit so you can see a style of what that looks like. Typically, sample edits are best reserved for when you're going to hire a copy editor. This is great to see what does a copy editor pick up. Now, let me go into what copy editing is, and then I can go back to a little bit on sample edits. Copy editing. This is after you've done everything else, right? I want you to have done your beta reads, your critique reads, critique partner work, sensitivity readers, developmental edits, any self-edits. Literally everything you can possibly do on your own, do it. Like I said in the beginning of the episode, copy editing, if you self-publish, is your book should be 100%. I am done touching it. Let me get the copy editor on it. Or if you're traditional publishing, again, totally done, and they're going to send it to a copy editor. This is not the very last stage, but it's really close to the end. So you don't want to send a book to copy editing if your book's not done. If you feel like I still have things I want to write or I think I'm going to change a lot, don't send it to copy. Copy is when you are like, I have done everything. I've gotten all the feedback. I'm not changing anything story-wise or even really writing-wise until I hear from the copy editor. If the copy editor comes back and says, you know, hey, there might be more work to do, that's something else. But you should have the thing in mind like, this is the book that's going to go to print. This is the version. I'm done. And then you send it to copy editing. A copy editor is the person who does the check for grammar, punctuation, consistency, any errors, anything that is factually correct. Um, Typically, it depends. I mean, if your work is you know, you're writing Regency, I would make sure that you make it very clear what amount of factual accuracy you're looking for from a copy editor, because that's not something they're always going to provide, but there will be things that they do look at. Um, So just make sure you have that discussion with your copy editor. How much do they look into factual accuracies? A lot of times they're going to say, if you wrote the Regency book, like, I hope you got it right, you know, because that's going to ultimately be on you in the end. But this can be a place where you get that checked. They'll be able to really check on like literally the copy, literally the words. What are the words on the page saying? Are they properly written? Do they make sense to the reader? Do you have the right amount of commas? Too many commas? What sort of punctuation do we need to do? Anything that just makes the work as clear as possible. Also, what a copywriter does that a lot of people don't understand is that they are following a specific style guide. If you get a copy edit from a publishing house, the publishing house is the one who created the style guide in the first place. So they'll say, you need to follow our guide. This is what we use. Make sure the copy fits. And this might not be what you would expect, but the publishing house made their rules and they said, this is what I want. And the copy editor follows that. If you hire your own copy editor, find out what style guide they're going to use and let them know if you have anything you want to be different. What I'll say is in publishing, most often 
Copy editors are using the Chicago Manual of Style. This is typically for fiction and memoir. In article writing, journalism, I believe that's APA style. But typically in book publishing, you will see that editors are using the Chicago Manual of Style, CMOS. And whatever the most recent edition is, as long as that's, again, the publishing house said, yes, we're going with that recent edition. If you're high in copy editor, find out what edition are they using? Is it the most recent, most updated? Because it gets updated all the time. And then also find out what usually there's a dictionary they'll use. So usually the editors that I've worked with, they use CMOS and then they also use Merriam-Webster as the dictionary. So also find out which dictionary is the one they're referencing for everything. And another thing to keep in mind is American English versus, say, British English. Um, So also recognize that Merriam-Webster and Oxford Dictionary, not the same. And there are some things that are going to look different depending on where you're publishing or where your story is based. So make sure that's clear too. What usually a copywriter will provide is they'll provide hey, this is the style guide I used, this is the dictionary I used, and they'll also provide a style sheet or a style guide themselves, which will usually be maybe a list of words, phrases, and things that they found in your work that they used as their guidepost. So this will happen a lot, say, if you write sci-fi or fantasy, and you have a ton of different names and places and things that don't actually exist in the real world. They'll usually have a sheet that they keep track of. And the first time that name is written is usually what they'll say, okay, this must be the way it's spelled. I will make sure it matches for the whole rest of the book. Every time the name comes up, let me double check my style sheet and make sure, okay, that's how you spell it. So this is something that you do want to ask, hey, do you provide a style sheet? Because not all of the copy editors do. I think that it is very, very, very useful, especially if you're writing a series or like I said, fantasy sci-fi. It can be really helpful if they do because you can begin to work this into a series Bible, which I am not going to go into in this episode. Totally worth talking about soon. I'm sure I'll do a whole episode on that, but you can just Google series Bible and see what I mean. It's really helpful for if you're writing more than one book in um, with the same characters and place and stuff like that. But ask if they're going to provide a style sheet. This is useful because I like this for when you go to the proofreader, which is going to be the next step. But I'm jumping ahead. So you might get a style sheet from them and then you'll literally get your manuscript with track changes all over them. And it's going to feel like, holy shit, what is this red C on my book? Everything is red, unless you somehow have your track changes a different color, like purple or blue. You're just gonna be like, oh my God, it can be a lot. But this is like the really fine tuning, right? Like we're really making this copy as strong as possible. Your copy editor will usually go through the book twice, at least. Obviously, make sure you know how many passes do they do? Do they go through one time? Do they go through twice? Usually they'll go through twice. Um, because there's so many things that can't be, you know, are we're human. There are things that be missed, or they'll be able to catch a bunch of the obvious errors the first time, and then they'll go through again and and be able to see the next layer of errors. Copy editing, you know, all publishers sometimes you might, you know, it might go through two rounds, you know, two different copy editors or multiple rounds of copy editing. If you're hiring, usually you'll just hire one copy editor to do one round, which is technically usually two passes. And then you'll get it back. And you don't normally get an edit letter because at this point, like I said, you have done all the revisions. The story is the way it should go. And your copy editor, unless you hire them for some reason to also do developmental work, which I don't recommend, I recommend getting the developmental done first because developmental can change big things and copy is meant to change little things. So if you get your copy edits back, unless there's some major issues, 
you, your job is to, you, well, number one, you will not get an edit letter unless there are major issues and unless there are bigger things that the copywriter is like, I really wanted to address XYZ. Um, if they notice a plot inconsistency that like is a detailed inconsistency that impacts the way the story is going to go or a factual piece that's going to change something, then this is where they'll mention it in the edit letter. And then they'll provide the style sheet and then your book with all the edits. Typically, this is through Word because they use the track changes feature and that feature is awesome. There's a lot of great uh, advice out there. And I'm I'm trying to think, I if you email me, I can try and send you this little tool I made up for a client. If you're like, what the hell are track changes? I did make up this little quick guide sheet to show how to use track changes, how to turn them on and stuff. So if you you hear this and you're like, what the hell? Get on my website and email me and say, what about that track change seat and sheet? And I will try and get that to you. Using track changes, you'll be able to turn them on and you'll see all of the notes from someone, every single edit they made, along with any comments that explain anything else. And these edits are usually in the text itself. So they're literally editing your writing. But because the track changes, you can see what they did, which is what makes it so great. And back in the day, this used to be handwritten. Can you imagine? Oh my gosh. Some people still do it that way. That's a lot. With track changes, you can say, I accept this edit or I reject it. It can be a lot when you're going through the whole thing because you might be someone who's like, I want to go through every single edit. It's going to take you a long ass time. You could go through and say, let me see if there's anything I don't agree with and then just reject those. And then at the end, there's an option where you can accept all track changes. That is a beautiful button. If you trust your editor and you know they made the right changes, I would say hit accept all and then read through it and see if there is anything that's standing out or feels weird, but, or go through every single one by yourself. I mean, totally fine. It's a lot of work, but it's also a great way to learn things, right? It's you. Know, it's a great learning tool to be like, oh, why did they change this? And it also gives you a chance. If there's anything you don't agree with or you don't understand, you can mark it and be like, okay, I'm going to ask it and come back later. And you can make a list of all the places you were not sure about. And you can ask that editor or ask your book coach, for example. Okay, <laughs> so that's copy editing. The thing with copy editing I want you to be aware of is because you are going through and you're like accepting changes and rejecting them in the manuscript, it can get a little wonky. So be wary that as the author, it's very common that you will actually introduce more errors as you go through your copy edits. So you do want to be careful. You also will want to read through after to make sure, catch any errors if you can. And it's also possible your editor has input errors. It's going to happen. It is human. And we're counting on the technology to to work with what we're providing. And so it's, of course, there are going to be glitches. There are going to be moments when, you know, an editor makes an edit, but then it actually didn't input the way they expected it to. So yes, errors can come out of this situation. This is why we hire proofreaders. So now that we're done with our copy, you've gone through it, you've accepted the changes, you've made all your final touches, you've read it maybe once or twice. Now you're going to send it to a proofreader. This is that person who is now it's the very, very final. It might either be the version that's already formatted for printing, or it's right before that version. If you hire a proofreader before the final formatting, my recommendation is to at least have a cold reader or yourself or or a couple other people who can read the formatted version on in print and or in an ebook. And literally load it to your reader so that you can see how it looks because sometimes formatting can make wonky things happen. If you hire the proofreader on the formatted version, then they're going to be able to catch it. But it depends on the proofreader and um, maybe even how much copy editing you had. If the copy editing went really heavy, I would get a proofreader before you format it and maybe even hire uh, and then go hire maybe like a cold reader 
or even another proof. So proofreading is they're working on that final piece. They are just checking to see what errors remain, what was missed, what was reintroduced. Is there anything funky about formatting or how things look? This person is going to usually reference that style sheet the copy editor made. Your proofreader is not a copy editor. The proofreader is not there to question edit editorial choices. They are just there to ensure that things are the way they need to be done. That the final copy matches what the style sheet said it should, or that anything what, you know, any small things left behind. But this can be tricky because sometimes people think, oh, proofreader is the one who's going to catch all the grammar and errors and punctuation. No, they're there to catch any lingering ones, but they are not there to change it all or have or question options or question choices that were made. That's what the copy editor is for. So and when anyone ever asks me, especially as they're going to self-publish, of course, and they're if they truly like, I can't afford, I can only afford one type of edit. I will say hands down, copy edit. Do not publish your book without a copy edit. That is the most important thing. Do not rely on Grammarly or ProWriting Aid or anything else to catch all of it. Hire a copy editor. That is by far the most important editor you will pay. Of course, as a developmental editor slash book coach, I'm like, hello, hire me. But actually, I know that if you were to do anything as a self-published author, it is make sure you have a cleanly written book with barely any errors, right? Errors will get through. We are human. We also rely on computers. Errors will happen. But by hiring copy editors and then proofreaders, you are doing your best to ensure errors don't come through. But how often have you read a published book, highly published book, you know, with a top publishing house and there's still errors. They're always going to be. It's going to happen. So give your editor slack if they have missed a few things. I mean, if they're like at 98% and they've caught that like 98% catching things, they're freaking awesome. Like amazing. But errors will happen. Things will slide through. They'll slide through no matter how many edits you have. Even if you had 50, something would happen. Okay. So please don't hold your editor to standards that are impossible. But yes, your copy editor should be hidden as much as they can. And then that's why you get your proofreader. Make sure that, especially when you went through the book and accepted the copy edits, that you didn't actually introduce changes. If you make heavy edits or revisions or change multiple lines after a copy editor worked on the book, I would really recommend getting it copied again or looked at it again because the chance that you introduced new errors and things that the copy editor had fixed is high. So if you're like, you know, the copy editor should have gotten all that and then you change a bunch, who's catching that, right? That is why proofreading can help. But again, proofreading is not there to make all the big changes. They're there just to make sure it's clean. This manuscript is ready to go out the door and print. So as a recap, the most intensive feedback type edits you're going to get from hired editors will be the developmental edits, the book coaching or the developmental edits, the story and writing technique work feedback on that. And that will come in the form of coaching calls. That'll come in the form of comments in the manuscript, edits in the manuscript, and edit letters slash assessment slash critique reports. And then so you get your book coach, developmental editor, copy editor, and proofreader. It's a lot, but it makes it all awesome, right? It's all totally worth it. Um, yeah, if you hire each of these, that's going to cost a bit of change. It's also going to ensure that you have a really amazing looking book and you have done all that you can to put out the best version, especially if you're self-publishing. You don't want to skip this, any of these really, because you are a business. If you're self-publishing, you're a business and you're putting the book out there and you want it to be professional. If you don't 
that's your choice. But just recognize that you're choosing that. So if you want to put out a book that is high quality, hire the people for it. Yes, it is upfront cost. It also, in the end, you make the money and you'll know I put out the best possible book I could. If you don't have a team behind you, you make your own team, right? Uh, If you go with Publishing House, they are the ones in charge of hiring those folks and doing the final say. So keep in mind that you could get copy edits or other tips edits back and you might fight on some of them. Maybe you'll be like, you know what? I really want to keep this comma or I really want to use this phrase or something. You might not get your final say. If you are the self-published author, of course, you get to make the final say. Um, Editor is going to recommend what they recommend, but you get to choose in the end. But if you traditionally publish, the publisher is the one making the final choices. Just something to keep in mind, of course. Okay, I think I addressed everything there. Oh, and then... I did talk about copy edit or sample edits. And so to go back to that, hopefully you can tell why you're not going to get much sample edit from earlier feedback because it is something that you typically the editors want to review all the work. A sample edit is more for the in-text stuff. So any direct line edits or copy edits and sometimes proofreading. You can get a sample, ask for a sample from the editor that you are vetting. You can ask them to provide a sample edit. This may or may not be free. It may be free for a few pages or they might charge a small fee to cover the work, which is very fair. And also, usually if you're going to get a sample edit and you're talking to a few people, send them all the same version because this will help you determine how they approach it. Copy editing might be about, you know, essentially like following style guides and stuff. I will say you can get back edits that are vastly different than others. So it's very interesting. So honestly, the choice that when you're hiring it out, pick the person whose edits most align with you and that you feel best about, because that's in the end, you're the one picking it. And you're the one who's going to feel best about what gets published. Okay. I think that's it. I hope that this helps figure out what the frick is the difference between all these editors. Who does what? When do you hire them? um, And why they cost so much. They are working so dang hard on your story. If you're looking for a sort of guidance on cost, I would recommend going to the EFA site. This is Editorial Freelancers Association. I believe the website is the-efa.org. They have a rate sheet on there that can give you a general idea of the different types of edits and the different charging for it. Fiction tends to be lower cost than research or reference materials. And you can see the different types of edits, the range, the length of time typically these edits take. I will say generally all of these edits usually will be between two to six weeks is probably general. I would say four to six weeks is most common. And editors do book in advance, especially copy editors. So reach out to editors when you have an idea when you're going to be ready to go, um, because they'll probably be booking out like two to three months in advance. And most editors, developmental to proofreading, they charge by word. So the longer your book, the more it'll cost. Usually. Some people might have different services. My service is a little different in that it's not necessarily by word. It's up to a certain number of words. But that is something to keep in mind. Get clear on what you're getting out of it. Make sure you understand. And understand too, Different styles of feedback work for different people. So you might love to get a rewritten 15-page report that you can just work on on your own and be like, okay, I'm going to work on this and then this and this. Or you might be like, F that. (laughs) I do not want to read 15 pages of all the shit I did wrong, even if it is constantly praising. I would rather just get on a phone call with someone and be like, help me work through this. Let's do this. And it's a lot less overwhelming. Depends on your style. Depends on who you are. 
if you need support while you do it too, you know, I have clients who will work with me through some of their edits that they've got from other editors to talk through them to make sure they understand properly because maybe that editor doesn't provide that level of feedback and collaborative support or just they have another voice like, okay, what do you think about this edit? Like, yeah, okay, totally valid. Like that's supposed to happen. And lastly, let me say, how do you find some of these people? This is going to be, there's so many different ways to find editors. Um, I mentioned the EFA. What I will say about the EFA is, although, yes, it's great to see editors who are part of an organization, um, just still do your own vetting. Just because someone's in an organization doesn't actually mean they're just vetted automatically. Something a lot of people don't know is anyone can become a member of the EFA. It's just cost of yearly fee. So I used to be an EFA member. It was really helpful as I was growing my business and learning a lot because it was great to collab with other editors, learn from them. And there were job postings and things like that from there. Um, eventually, it wasn't something that I felt was necessary for my career to continue, but it's a great starting point. So I'm no longer an EFA member. Being one was just me paying money. <laughs> essentially the difference wasn't there so this also is something to keep in mind as you're vetting people you can go check on site see what the organizations are on look at reviews testimonials and also there is a site called writer beware it's like double check that site and make sure that the editors of publishing house or whatever service that no one's on there right anyone you're considering hiring see if they're on this writer beware site if they are and there's red flags well, you you make the decision from there. Um, so do your due diligence. And of course, these are some of the tips for doing it. Um, like I said, with the sample edit and just getting really clear on expectations. What you can also do is you can also talk to past clients. So I've had times where people have said, can you can you give me names of any clients who I can ask questions of? And I'm like, of course. I have clients who... I've already, they've made sure they're totally comfortable if someone wants to ask questions. So they're like, I'll totally be honest with them. I'll tell them everything about working with you. So don't send random people, all your clients. That's totally not fair. Make sure your client is okay with getting emails. But that's a great option if you're a little concerned and you want to hear directly from someone who's had experience with the editor. Ask to talk to their clients. Ask, like, look at other books that their clients have, that they've done know what level of edit they've done. And then again, what I want to remind you of is for self-published authors, the self-published author is the final say. There have been experiences where editors will provide edits. The author doesn't agree. They don't go with them. Reviews come back saying, where was the edits? And the editor's like, I, I did it. But the author made different decisions in the end. So it's just a caveat. I just want... You have all the information you can have to make the best decision for you going forward. EFA, you can find editors. You can Google, of course, Google for editors. Ask other writers. Go to organization writer organizations. A lot of them will have a list of editorial services. For example, RWA, Romance Writers of America, they list um, folks who provide services. I mean, yes, those people are it's paid promotion, but... That's a great place to find a list. Magazines, um, where you can see ads, essentially, right? Classifieds. And Read C, as I mentioned before, is a site that has a bunch of folks. Or look at contests or look at things where you hear about other editors being talked about. Honestly, you can even look on Instagram. On this podcast, here's a great place to find an editor. <laughs> There's lots of options. Just do your hard work and... Now, at least you have more information as you go into this. You're like, well, at least I know the different types of edits, what to expect and when to do them. So I think that's all I'm going to leave you with today, writers. I think I covered a lot. So until next time, keep growing, writer. Writer.